showing everybody how to grow their confidence One for all and gold like Donovan Gold So we go Beyond the game Today, we're going to hear from someone who has had multiple career changes in her short time on this earth and now is a successful business owner in Burlington, Ontario. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brittany Skinner. Brittany, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking, Shaka. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I am, I am amped to have you on. Thank you for having me. Always, uh, always happy to chat to a friend. This is great. All right. So tell us a little bit about you. You you run your own business. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I'm the franchise owner at SST Burlington. That's where I am, and uh, I'm one of the uh, one of the one of the younger female personnel to own own a gym. So that brings its own uh, own uh, own challenges and rewards. Absolutely, I can I can only I could already imagine the challenges of being a female entrepreneur in the fitness space. But you know what? You are doing a fantastic job. I, I know some of your clients and I see the amazing job that you're doing and already changed the world. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Of course, thank you. I, you know what? I'm so happy to uh, to even have the opportunity to be in this world. It's such a such a pleasant experience. So I, uh, I take, every, take every moment in. That's beautiful. Thank yeah. you. All right. So uh, give us one interesting fact about you. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I guess, um, I'm, although I'm only 27, I have actually had, uh, two career changes already, um, which is a bit of a surprise to most people when they, when they hear that. So I originally started when I was really young, I started working at 17, um, and I started working as a veterinary assistant. Um, then I went into fish and wildlife conservation. Um, and then Stephen Harper did wonderful things there. So, uh, I headed over into this sector. <laughs> Very nice. So, what so yeah, you, you go, you go where uh, there's demand. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know what? A couple of things. Yeah. There's, there's a few things that, uh, that made me make the change. And, uh, one of them was just, there was, there's a lot of, um, mental challenges that come with working with animals mm -hmm. and, I just developed this, um, yeah, I just developed this sense of, I started really disliking the situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's one of those situations where I had to make a change um, for, for me, for my family. Um, and as much as I still like to be involved in that world, it, it career-wise wasn't, uh, wasn't where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. Mm, that make, that makes sense. Okay, well, I'm glad that you made the change over, and you definitely seem to be happier here. So that's awesome. All right, so let's let's get to the nitty gritty of this podcast. What is leadership to you? So so leadership to me, I think it's being able to get the best out of the people around you, um, and using yourself as a baseline to, to measure that. So, um, you know, you still have to stay true to you and your morals and, and the things that you, um, that you hold on a higher pedestal, but being able to encourage those things out of other people and bringing the best out of them. Um, if you cannot encourage the people around you to be better, there's, you know, there's some harder lessons that, uh, that need to be learned there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know that everybody kind of have, has their own definition and thank you for giving us yours. How do you come up with that definition for yourself? So 
I've had quite a few mentors in my time in the various career changes and even just in my peers. I've had very, um, very successful and um, complex people helping me. And I think one of the things that I learned from them was how to harvest that out of people. You know, you get, uh, you get different people that will teach you different lessons. Um, one of the biggest things that I learned was never take criticism from somebody that you wouldn't take advice from. Mm. And that was, that was a very big game changer for me. I'm one of those people that really takes things to heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was just, I was just always feeding off of somebody else's energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you saw me in one of my lowest points and you probably didn't know it, but <laughs> it was one of those things like, I probably seemed very happy when I was around you because you're a very happy person. You give off that aura. And um, I just felt like I had no aura of my own. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, you know, to, to be able to develop that, and I'm still working on it, that that's mm-hmm. never going to stop. But um, for me to be able to cultivate what I want to see out of people and let them bring out the best parts of them is, is more, more important than anything else you can teach them. And I, I think that's, that's huge. You know, it's, uh, it's understanding that we are always students in in one way shape or another you know what i mean so we're always learning from someone we're always taking uh pieces of other people and making them making it our own and that's it may seem that we're not our own person at a time i I guess i guess people can call that the imposter syndrome but yeah but i think at the root of all of that like we are that person right we just don't know it yet it, we just haven't wrapped yeah. our mind around it so when you when you say you didn't have your own aura trust me you you did you were a very <laughs> impactful person i remember i remember training with you and and seeing and seeing how some of our athletes uh responded to you and that can only come from a genuine care and love for one what you do and two the people you're doing it for so it, it was it's, it was there i feel just being refined over time Oh yeah. No, that's uh, then imposter syndrome is very, very real. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't get to my position sort of the way that um, most piece, most people would think I didn't do the, the typical, um, you know, go through, I got here for Canadian high school. So I didn't go through Canadian high school and then university and then got into a job. And, you know, so I had a very different pathway up. So the imposter syndrome is very real for me. <laughs> oh, I can. Yeah, definitely. Relate oh to, yeah. Relate to that. Yeah. So how, how has your leadership style evolved over time? And, and uh, can, you, can, you, well, can you start off by telling us what is your leadership style? Yeah, so um, I actually have a pretty gentle leadership style. <laughs> um, I, I always, when I was younger, I, you know, 17 to eight years old, I was a little bit outspoken with things. Like I, I had very, I had these very clear definitions of things that I liked and didn't like. And, you know, I had these opinions and, um, one of the biggest things that I found is that if I just remove myself from that situation, I have time to think about what I'm actually saying and doing. And that way I'm actually better able to come up with something on my own that actually is my opinion versus regurgitating information that I've read or heard or, you know, learned from somewhere else. And I think um, by taking a step back and not approaching a situation with this sort of I call it like the bull in the china shop, right? Like you're not just coming in and like telling everybody what's what. Um, I think it's it's something that I've had to learn over time is I was always a very compassionate person. 
Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't realize the extent to which until I took time to take a step back and think about the things that I was saying and in that in when you're a teenager regurgitating. So it is one of those things that you you have to be able to know where to take criticism. Like I said, you have to know where to take criticism from. Um, anyone in in a leadership position should know that. You know, one whoever you're taking advice and or criticism from might be wrong. <laughs> um, I know I've been wrong, and I'm always always willing to I'm I'm always willing to take that step back. So mm. I think that's that's how I developed that. Is I just I forced myself to take the step back and stop. You know. Because I always wanted to be in a leadership position. I always wanted to be that person that people turn to for help. I enjoy helping people. Mm -hmm. And that honing in of the skills of taking a step back and just approaching things with a little bit of compassion really, really helped in developing my leadership style. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That, that, thank you for that. And it's really interesting to, to hear uh, you talking about, you know, people might be wrong. And the first thing that came to my mind is that everyone speaks from their own experiences. Uh, so no one can speak directly into your experience because mm -hmm. only you have your set of background, your set of, of, of experiences, your set of, of qualities, your set of responses to the stimuli that, that has, that has come into that time. Right. Yeah. And so no one can speak directly to that. So I, I think mm -hmm. it's, it's up to the individual, up to you to hear what they're saying and don't take it for everything as it is because they're speaking from their own experiences, right? Yeah. You have to pick and choose things, things from there um, yeah. that apply to you. And I think, oh, I think that is a skill that not a lot of people have. <laughs> uh, but I'm work on it, working on it every day. <laughs> me, me too, me too. But it's a skill that is necessary and that can be worked on and can get better with practice so so yeah that's i think that that's huge and that that is definitely big in developing one's leadership style so thank you for that it's awesome yeah now so you are the franchise owner of sst burlington sports specific yes. training what does your role look like and I, I as the owner i know that there are there are a lot of owners who are a little bit removed from the business where they just do all paperwork and do business stuff, but I know that's not you. So what does no. it look like for you? Yeah, so we, um, because we actually take young athletes all the way up to adults that just want to stay fit, I actually have to just wear so many hats in a day. So um, my day can start, you know, with my adult boot camp class in the morning and I'm actually on the floor and I'm coaching to the next hour. Okay. Especially during the pandemic. Now that we're locked down, it's not so much, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's cleaning in between. So, you know, everything from janitorial duties and coaching to uh, my weakest point, which is social media management. So it's even things like that, where you just, you literally, you take one hat off, you put the next one on and you move through your day like that. And uh, that, that can, I can literally be doing anything at any point in the day from emails and paperwork to on the floor telling a kid how to squat. So it's uh, it's a very busy, busy day. Yeah. And and how do you find that people respond to you when when they see you doing everything? Yeah. <laughs> Luckily they only see me for about an hour. 
So they don't know that I'm doing everything. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I think when people have noticed, like I would say, obviously my parents are, I have a very close family con like connection and, and relationship. So my parents are very aware of what I do. My sister or my boyfriend, um, you know, I'm in a, in a space where all my friends know what I'm doing and they all say like, oh my gosh, like, that's amazing. How, you know, how do you get it all done in a day? And um, so there is this, the sense of wow good for you um which depending on the day sounds condescending <laughs> it's like oh i can't believe you did that but then i also have to remind myself that's not how people think so yeah it's just my own insecurities coming through but i think for the most part like like i said i i do still have that that aura that i mentioned before where i do absorb a lot of what other people mm -hmm. um think do and say around me so when I have my young athletes in, I've often had their, I've had, I had one parent actually say like, oh, wow, you have, you know, you didn't yell at him once. Like you have this very, um, almost motherly like sense of coaching, which I was like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I take it, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's it's the, the strangest compliment I've ever gotten. But yeah, I think for the most part, people either just don't know, or the people that do know me are very proud of me, which mm. I take pride in. Like I like knowing that other people appreciate the stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I can definitely understand that. And it's, it's really cool because, you know, being, well, I once coached at SST. And so I've seen the franchise owners work countless hours just to, just to make ends meet. And, and now being in this role with Beyond the Game, like people don't necessarily see all the, the background that goes on. And so yeah. I can definitely relate to, to that. And honestly, kudos to you because i'm exhausted <laughs> half the time honestly sometimes sometimes i'll i'll get i'll get home and i'll try to lie down i'm like no i have to post oh no i have to contact this athlete mm -hmm. or no i have to do this yeah. do that. And i feel like there's always something to do and it's hard to yeah. shut your brain off but i mean we do it because we love it right and you wouldn't be yeah. in the position you are if you didn't want to be and so um oh, exactly right and so so let's let's talk about that like why why did you want to be a franchise owner? So the position itself isn't necessarily as important to me so much as what I can do with the position. So um, one of the biggest things that I'm, I'm passionate about is the gender gap in sports. So being able to get an athlete to be able to achieve their potential. So, I mean, for, for a lot of people like, oh, well, you, you know, you're just coaching them. It's just a gym. They're just going to get, you know, fit or whatever the case may be. But um, I don't think people realize that you, to a lot of those athletes, you, you're a teacher too. You, mm -hmm. you do teach them things bigger than, oh, this is how you squat, right? Um, which important lessons, you should know how to do that. But um, <laughs> it is really just the case for me of, I really want to be able to get these kids the opportunities that they deserve mm -hmm. um you know uh with the united states they invest so much in their players to get um athletes prepared and ready there is it's so much more of a joint you know a jointed effort whereas in canada you really have to struggle to to get your kid in the gym and at this practice and in this group and you know you you have to there it's quite an expensive endeavor mm -hmm. um and you really have to be pushed towards it at a young age. Whereas in America, it'll, it'll just come to you. So for me to be able to get those kids into those positions where they're just able to, 
in particular with the training, physically keep up the demand of their sport in order to go to those higher levels and make, you know, make themselves a life, a life that they're proud of is, is very important. The other part of me is really, I just want to make my family proud. Um, we, we immigrated here about 12 years ago. Um, and to make a long story short, you know, we had issues with our immigration. I've had my own issues. You know, we have daily challenges that come with running a business, um, obviously the pandemic. Um, and I've had quite a few personal losses. And I think one of the things that I want to do is, is make myself and my family proud. I know that if I can make a difference to these kids, then I've done something right. It doesn't, um, it doesn't have to come from, it doesn't have to come from some accolade and award and whatever the case may be, you know, it, it comes from, in my opinion, it comes from helping everybody else. What, what I can sum up of everything you just said is that you, you use your role, you use your position to impact the lives of others in a positive way, be it, again, teach them how to squat, super important, squat properly, avoid injury, but you're also teaching them about life. And I feel that that is, for me personally, that's my, one of my biggest motivators is that I do what I do because I love people. I love to see them achieve the best version of themselves, be it in school, be it in sports, just be in life in general, right? Right. And so yeah. um, it's it's awesome to to hear that you you share the same the same mindset and that you're you're motivated by the same things, right? And so that that's awesome. And the your family, I I can I can only imagine how proud of you your family is. And hailing from beautiful South Africa and I place I I once called home as well. And so um, yeah, yeah I, I can only imagine how proud your family is of you. Can you talk about br you. briefly talk about the some of the some of the challenges that you faced as the as the franchise owner of SST? Um, yeah, so we actually, um, ironically, we moved facilities about two days before the lockdown. The, the initial lockdown hit, <laughs> uh, so that was fun. So it was getting the gym built while we were closed, um, and you know it's. We were lucky that in that at that phase of the that phase of the lockdown, it was just my family helping me paint walls and install the mats and bring in all the equipment. And we had a lot of help with that, thankfully. But it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of heavy lifting. Um, I think that was probably the biggest challenge was physically moving the facility. Nobody knows how heavy a hundred pound dumbbell is until so you have to awkwardly move it into a truck and then awkwardly move it onto the floor and then awkwardly move it onto a rack. Oh. Um, so <laughs> it was, it was just one of those, um, those mentally draining tasks because mm -hmm. of all the stress surrounding the pandemic and trying to stay safe and all of that kind of stuff with the physically demanding task of physically painting 12 foot walls. Like my shoulders looked fantastic for that month because <laughs> it was just Bonuses. so, so much. Yeah. So I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges, you know, daily challenges now are more along the lines of, you know, safety and keeping people safe during the pandemic, which now we're obviously closed, but it is one of those things where everybody's going to have their daily challenges and you just have to put your head down and work. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, 
sometimes I talk to my my wife and uh, she studied kinesiology at the University of Toronto and she has trained Olympic hopeful athletes at the, at the Canadian Sports Institute of Ontario and out here awesome. in BC at this at, uh, Canadian Sports Institute Pacific. And because she is a small woman, she she gets looked over when it comes to the fitness world. I remember once we went, I went to a good life and on site, I got offered a job because I look like the, a, a, a an athlete, quote unquote athlete. And, yeah. um, and personally, I, that's not my, you know, my most coveted roles. I've done it because I, I love people, but like, I don't, I not something I'm totally passionate about. Right. But Mm-hmm. But when I told her, she got angry because she no one will take people don't take her seriously. And even though she studied it, she's done practice. Mm-hmm. She this is her this is her industry, right? And yeah, how have you found those kind of roles or those kind of challenges, or have you? In, yeah, in- uh, definitely. Um, it's it's one of those things. I am because I am very passionate about getting female athletes, the opportunities that they have, I do find that I have to run into it myself. <laughs> it, it's, I, I, I try to laugh as much as possible because if you're not going to laugh about it, you're going to cry about it. And that's, you know, that's, that's just how that's going to go. But I, I do laugh when I get someone come into the facility. They've never seen me. They've never seen any of my coaches, but they just see the gym, right? Yeah. And they'll walk into the facility and they'll immediately write to the male coach mm-hmm. and they'll start ans- asking him questions that, doesn't know because he doesn't own the business and he doesn't know whatever the case maybe is and not because he's a bad coach but just because that's not his not his role and the the sort of watching the realization happen on people's faces when realize they do in fact have to come talk to me is uh it's an interesting one like i like i said i shake my head at it because i i do realize that societally i'm gonna run into those things and i can either be angry about it myself which is very justified because it is a social injustice that needs to be dealt with um but i find that it's easier for me to attack it positively and go you know what i'm just gonna show my best to this person so that the next time they encounter a woman in my type of role they're gonna respond a little bit more positively because Mm -hmm. if i attack it with if I attack it with anything else, I'm the scorned bitter woman that got looked over, right? And um, it doesn't help that I'm also a very short person. I'm about <laughs> five foot four in a world of six foot four giants. Uh, so, you know, when when my when my athletes are taller than I am, it looks a little bit silly me yelling across the gym at them because I'm this little blonde girl telling them what to do so i understand what the optics are it's um but i think just trying to address it every single time it happens is so important because i've earned my way here and you know i've i've been yeah i've been in this long enough that and even if i hadn't i still deserve the the same opportunities um and and i'm more so you know for me it's a case of having to bulldoze through those things so that the people after me don't have to Mm -hmm. um and because I get a little riled up from it, so it's uh, it's a fun thing for me to attack because I don't um, I don't wish badly on anybody that does these things or or has these preconceived notions. Um, I do I do, however, have to. I have this thing in me that has to make sure that they know what to expect. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. and most women do. They they run into these 
these barriers everywhere they go. And I know for for your wife in particular, she's a very educated woman, and she, um, like you actually, I think remember a couple of years ago, you said that your your brother wanted to um, to train with you because he wanted to look like you, and you're like, well, speak to Brenda, like she, exactly. she's the one that made my program, right? Yeah, so. Exactly. Yeah, so there's a lot of those moments and um, being like you and you probably said it that way to him in a very joyful manner that made it not a difficult conversation to have. And when you make these conversations easier for people, it makes the it makes a transition easier. Exactly, exactly. And and it's like I've, I've seen it so much, especially being a male in, the, in this industry, like I like hearing some of my male counterparts talk about about the female athletes female trainers female coaches i i it, it hurts me because sometimes I'll, I'll i'll speak up and like they'll shut me down i'm like i don't understand why you think this way but um i do know that you are making an incredible impact in the, the lives of young girls everywhere just just by the way of your confidence by the way of you go, getting up every day to do what you do i remember in particular one time you came to coach with me at sst oakville and i were coaching a group of young girls and i asked you to take them through a few drills and you did and then we we both took them through the entire workout and then you have to you have to leave but after the workout when you left they came to me like shocker who was that I'm like, oh, that's that's Coach Brittany, and um, they're like, she's such a badass. I'm like, she's great. She's 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 great. And so yeah. it it was really cool to see their eyes just light up when they had a female trainer, someone who looked like them, someone who lived life like them, but could also still hold her head up high and go through life confident, knowing that she could take up take on any challenge that she put her mind to. And I think I think it sent an amazing message to them and. Like as much as I try as a as a coach, there's I can only go a certain way because I don't look like them, but you do, and this is something that that they that they see and they look up to, right? So, so I think you're doing an amazing job doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. So there's actually um, I think the PW, PWHA actually uses the saying, and it's um, if we can see it, we can be it, and uh, that is one of the things that. I absolutely love that they're using you know we have these we have these amazing incredible athletes and their only disadvantage is that they're female athletes and um i would say the more representation we get the better you know and the more women that can break through these roles the better you know absolutely. then you're just you're showing these young girls that yeah you can actually do it there's absolutely. the ability is there <laughs> it's there it's there you know and uh i love that that's exactly. absolutely amazing what's next for you i know that being being an owner being uh yeah being being the owner being person in charge it's it's a big job and um, it does it doesn't just happen for like a it does not just a one year thing or a couple year thing but yeah. what's next for you so stabilize the gym we currently have <laughs> let's get that one open um but once that's open, I really want to be able to open more of these facilities. Um, like I, I always compare it to the States just because, like I said, their, their ability to get kids into programs is amazing. Um, although they're not a shining model for anything right now, their ability to get kids involved in sports is. Um, <laughs> so one of the biggest things is being able to, to have more of these facilities. The, the other thing that I think for me is once I do get more of these facilities open is being able to have um, programs that can 
open the doors for kids that can't necessarily afford the services. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that I think is there's a there's a there's too big of a gap in talent and accessibility. And just because you cannot access a facility doesn't mean that you should have access to the sport and higher levels taken away from you. Um, you know, for, and you know, from working in a gym, if you are not physically fit, it doesn't matter what sport you play, you're not going to play at a high level. <laughs> and yeah. And I think being able to get those, you know, those services available on a widespread basis, you know, Canada's, uh, Canada's athletes are going to soar. We have amazing athletes. We really do. They just don't have services available to them. Um, and one of the biggest things is that the sports world, and we've spoken about this, it's such a who you know type of type of world where that's not a bad thing. That's not a criticism, but it's, it's such a beautiful community to be a part of. So being able to meet each other in the gym and say hi, and, you know, unlike a commercial gym where you have to like put your head down and walk away, <laughs> I worked at, I won't say which commercial gym, but I worked at that one for a while and ooh, the stuff I saw in there. Yeah. Um, so I really, these places are more than just a gym and somewhere to get in those communities from young ages. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that's where I want to go next. I need to be able to, I just need to be able to, to make this accessible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in order to be successful, you obviously need to have a certain set of skills mastered or in the being the process of mastering um and over and over your time be it in your um your vet your veterinary assistant job or be it coaching at sst or now owning sst how how have you developed skills and what skills do you need do you think to be successful i've been very much a, a trial and error type of person you just have to, you know, I'll say it all day long. You have to put your head down and work. Some things are going to work. Some things aren't. And I will always be working on various skills, no matter what they're like. I mentioned earlier on social media, <laughs> it's not my best skill, but I'll always work on it. You know, um, you know, organization all day long for me, because um, as much as I like to pretend like I'm an organized person, it takes a lot of work for me to be organized. I'd love it to come secondhand to me, but it unfortunately is one of those skills that I will continue to work on. <laughs> me too. Me too. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the people that can have these beautiful uh, journals and whether it's on their laptop or in on a paper copy, the people that are able to be organized, I throw my hat off to them that they are you know, saints in my eyes. I cannot, for someone that can put that amount of work into organization is, is awesome. So that's something I, I need to work on. Absolutely. I trust me. I've been working on that for the last 26 years. So, I mean, hey, I get yeah. I completely understand. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so everybody has their own view of success. People view success as reaching a certain milestone. People view success as, you know, winning the small battles in the day people view success as waking up and making your bed what does success look like to you i think success for me is it's two parts the professional side of things i'd like to be that doorway for change you know i'd like to be able to make sure that i can have and in particular for my female athletes i would i want to make a difference for them i want to you know i've I talk about it often, there's whether it's the pay gap, injury gap, um, 
you know, accessibility gap, there's all kinds of issues that surround women in sport. Mm -hmm. And if I can be a doorway to open up some of those, you know, close out some of those challenge and challenges and open up new roads for them to go down, that's what I would like to be. I would like to see the change in women's sports, whether it's, you know, if I get one athlete into a sport that she may not have had an opportunity to, I'll be happy. I will never, you know, I will never close the door on an athlete, male or female. I think um, professionally is where I want to be at. I want to be able to create opportunities. Um, personally, there's a lot of this idea that you have to constantly go out for a spa day or do something to escape your life because you need to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you can build a life that you don't constantly need escape from, that's success in my eyes. I don't need to, like I said, I don't need to be on vacation every other weekend, but I do want to be able to actively participate in my life and not have to constantly escape from it, um, which I think is, again, it's, it's on the whole woman side of things where I think we as women do often get that, it's not pushed on us, but this idea that we have to do absolutely everything, mm -hmm. whether it's the housework or, you know, now there's societal pressure to um, be in high paying and, and high or competitive fields um, because now we have better access to those rights and whatnot. So mm -hmm. although it is a better situation for women, we are still responsible a lot of the time for taking on those sort of maternal and sort of historically bound roles where we have to cook and clean and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of women just get so overwhelmed with trying to be this superwoman that they just constantly need an escape from their life. And that's not something that I want to, to do. I want to actively participate in my life. I, th I think it's awesome being in a place where uh, you don't feel like you need to do that. And I know pe people have said it for since time began that, you know, if you, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And um, it's true to a point. I mean, like <laughs> I, right to a point, right? So I mean, like in, I, I'm at my, my, at my, my day job, I work, I work at a church. I'm the director of youth and young adult ministries. And I absolutely love all the youth and the, the young adults that I, I, that are in my care, I should say. And so I never feel like I need a quote unquote break. Like I need to set boundaries. So I make, make sure that I don't, you know, uh, I'm not like spending 24 hours a day um, with people because sometimes I need to, you know, go away, spend time with my family and, and have, you know, our time because that, that is priority. Um, but like, I've become friends with all of the, the youth and young adults here. And so it's not, it's never, it's, I, I never have to escape from it. You know, yeah. and even, even running beyond the game, like I don't, like, I love what I do. I love my team and my team, they're, they're amazing people and I'm, I'm friends yeah. with them all, right? And so even doing stuff with beyond the game, like I, like I said, I love what I do. So I never have to stop and like breathe. It's, I feel, I feel like I'm always breathing through it all. So like, I, I'm hundred percent on board with you there. hundred percent on board. Oh yeah. You know what? I'm actually a very, um, I'm actually a very introverted person, mm. um, which comes to a surprise to a lot of other people. Um, but I think it comes down to your battery and, you know, how much energy something's taking away from you. So if you're stuck in this drudgery, of course, your battery is going to get sucked for you so much faster, you know, and there's always going to be people that drain a little bit faster than others. And some people will recharge your battery, but realistically, everybody has a battery. It's just, 
what environment are you putting it in? Are you putting it in a high cost, high voltage, high usage situation where you're going to get drained very quickly? Or are you putting it in a position where, you know what, I'm using a little throughout the day because that's what's going to happen naturally? Or am I putting it in a position where a couple other people during the day are going to breathe a little bit of fresh, fresh air into me? Am I going to be able to, you know, like you said, set boundaries? I, I do love people. It's not like I don't enjoy being around people, but some people are going to take more from you than others. So setting those boundaries where you go, hey, not today, you know. Um, and I think that's that's a very difficult skill is being able to set boundaries. So yeah, I actually, I had to read a book to learn how to do it. <laughs> um, I'm not even kidding. I actually, I bought and I bought a book that I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm finding people are asking too much of me and blah, blah, you know all the sort of usual excuses that come with being exhausted. And at the end of the day, it was, I am the problem. I am letting people mm -hmm. take too much out of me. And not because I don't want to be a giving person and do things for people, but because there does have to be that boundary set of, I do still need some for me. I do still want to be able to walk my dogs at the end of the night and not get home and just like slunk onto the couch and go, oh, do I really want to walk them? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, setting those boundaries is an incredibly important skill to have yeah no i i could i completely hear you i completely hear you and that's been my issue for a long time as well like i'm i had for a long time my my uh issue was being a people pleaser i will say yes to everything absolutely everything and yeah. I, it just got to a point where like i i remember my parents telling me we don't see you anymore i'm like that's fair because i'm always on the run my grandparents would say you're always going somewhere i'm like i got things to do um <laughs> so and so i think coming again like you said you need some of that boundary for yourself you need to be able to put that energy into you take care of you take care of your loved ones and just be happy because you can yeah. people can go on you know, every day wearing a mask of, of happiness and joy. But if that's not really what's going on on the inside, then that won't last very long. So, oh yeah. So yeah. Honestly, burnout in today's society is oh, such a common thing. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things I didn't ask to be in a leadership role. Um, I'm very, very happy to be there. But I think it's one of those things that people just, they have this expectation that they're going to, um, they're going to be able to just do anything and everything and conquer everything, which is fantastic. Those ambitions are absolutely wonderful, but I don't think people realize that what burnout looks like, you know, and having gone through it a couple of times, which led to the buying of the book, um, it really becomes a situation where you do have to take that step back and go, let me reassess what's, and like you rephrase in, in your previous thing, what does success look like to you? Like you said, some people, it's just making the bed in the morning, mm -hmm. which is honestly, sometimes it can be a task. Your, your body is still in it. You don't want to get up to make it. <laughs> exactly. Um, whereas other days you feel like you can, you know, climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And mm -hmm. those are the days where you want to harness that energy because you have it and you want to do your best without taking from the next day. You know, everybody everybody's going to reach that stage of burnout because it is a learning process. You don't know what it looks like until you get there. Um, and one of the biggest things that I think for me too, is asking for help when I need it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm a very much that very motivated person. I can do this. I can take on the world. <laughs> it's a 
years for me to figure out it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it's not shameful. It'll stop you from burning out. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people want to help you. Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know, and being one of those people, whenever people ask me for something, if it is within my capability, I will damn sure do it. Um, and there's a lot of people out there like that. There's a, there's a ton of people, you know, um, when you take a second to, to look around and see who can help you, there's a lot of people that are willing. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can do that, not reach burnout, that's, that's going to take you further than self-help book and exactly. <laughs> three secrets and whatever right <laughs> yeah absolutely actually that's perfect segue what advice do you have for someone that's looking to step up into a leadership role so two pieces one i actually already mentioned earlier do not take criticism from people you wouldn't take advice from um, I'm the type of person I take things to heart and when I get criticized, I don't always like it. <laughs> Most people don't. Um, but it is really that situation where you go, can I really learn from this criticism? Is this really something that I want to learn from? Mm -hmm. Would I take advice from this person? And learning how to distinguish that is important. The other thing is, is everybody is too busy thinking about themselves mm -hmm. to be worried about, to be, for you to worry about whether or not they saw you fail. You just have to keep moving. Um, I've ha <laughs> I'm a very embarrassment prone person. I do things. I'm a clumsy person. Someone left me into a gym one day and they're like, yeah, she'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I drop things and I, I've done the whole like split your pants when you're squatting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's all kinds of things like you're going to drop the ball. Sometimes you're going to make mistakes nine times out of 10. Somebody's not going to even notice they're too busy thinking about when they did it yeah um and if you can work through that if you can just move on excellent that's that's probably going to get you pretty far yeah absolutely and that's that's very very sound advice that's something that we can definitely all take and, and just use moving forward now surprise surprise last question i know it's not no. on there but <laughs> i thought about it as you were talking um yeah. what is a book podcast uh, quotes or anything that you could recommend for the listeners, something that they can take, they can put on their, they can put in their library to, to read some sometime this year or just at anything. I actually have so many <laughs> that I could suggest. Um, there's one book, it's called A Brief History of Everything. Um, Bill's can't remember the author. It's actually ironically sitting on my bedside table right now. Nice. Okay. We'll, um, have, we'll have it in the uh, in the, the yeah. notes after. So perfect. <laughs> um, it's it's a very good summation of history. I think one of the biggest learning opportunities we have. Someone before you's probably done it, <laughs> uh, and you know you're doomed to repeat history, all of that kind of stuff. And I think having a better understanding of the world around you is. Um, is something that's very important. I think you should read things outside of your area of interest. So even if you're not a history-based person, it's, it's a really good learning opportunity. You know, I can read all the anatomical and, you know, kin books that I want, um, but sometimes you have to unfocus from that. You know, a lot of people get very hyper-focused on what they love and what they're passionate about, which is fantastic, but broaden your scope. Start reading things and exposing yourself to 
things outside of what you're 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 intensely passionate about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you. That that sounds great. And honestly, I'm gonna take all the books that I recommended through every podcast. I'm gonna put them in my library yeah. because I need to read more as well. So thank you for that recommendation, yeah. Brittany. Thank you so much for this entire podcast. Honestly, like I've, I've known you for a couple of years now and I've, I've loved getting to know you and, and working out with you and training with you. And um, I'm so, it's so happy to see this side of you as well. And I know that our listeners are going to be so amped to hear from you because you've, you've been through it, uh, you've done it and they're looking forward to doing it too. So thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I, I absolutely love any opportunity to speak. <laughs> Different names for success, but we gon' taste. Keeping metal on tango, me okay. Gold medals round next, CFL rings, Bill Kings, Queens, BTG, repeat rotate.